Exchange. I am Dr. Pamela, and today we are going to be talking about soulmates. I absolutely love talking about relationships, and this phenomenon of soulmates is going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, we are here every Thursday from 11 to 1 to discuss humanity and selection themes, and we're doing that today. Um, I'm going to be joined by Alex, a Grammy-nominated singer and songwriter and vocal producer in the first half of the show. And in the second half of the show, I'll be accompanied by a phenomenal couple by the name of Tina and Sherelle Mounder. We will be discussing the phenomenon of soulmates from the standpoint of a songwriter who writes about love. And I'm at the standpoint of a couple who is absolutely fabulous and has figured out how to make a living. So relationships are different and the way that we show up in the world. Different relationships um, have a different impact and it's impacting the range of how we experience life, helping to better understand ourselves, helping to better um, develop into ourselves. So we're going to have a conversation about all of that, and today we're going to explore different soul connections and their significance in our lives. So this will provide perspective on why we have encountered people that we um, want to connect with, and people that it just feels like it naturally falls into place. Believe it or not, there's no big connection that um, absolutely I cannot wait to share all of this with you. So please get involved, enjoy this conversation, get engaged with this conversation. If you are around Facebook in any way, shape, or form, get on there, go to the Station Station Network page and watch us live and add your comments and get involved in this conversation. I look forward to this. So stay with us, get involved, and we'll be right back on the live Welcome back to the live exchange. I am Dr. Pamela, and um, today we are talking about the soulmate phenomenon. What does that mean? Um, so many of us have tossed around the idea of soulmate. We've romanticized it in childhood that one day I'm going to find the one. And um, it's interesting because then adulthood comes and reality hits and we have our different um, challenges with love along the way. And so we have this vision of soulmates being that ultimate highest level of um, bliss that we can possibly experience. And, and so today we're going to be dismantling a little bit of those myths, but also looking at some truths about what it actually means um, to have a soulmate. And so I am going to be joined by a couple of guests on this show today um, who are going to help with that conversation, who's going to help us dissect that a bit. Um, and, and we're going to get into um, some research and some training topics and all of that. So I have to share that when I first realized that soulmates are, are much more, uh, the idea of a soulmate is, is much broader than, than what I always envisioned to, it to be, is really when I met, um, I guess, reconnected with an old family member. So in my childhood, I had a, a cousin and around the age of six, maybe, um, we we had to part ways. She moved on the other side of the country. And we didn't reconnect for another 30 years. So 30 years later, we meet up at a family reunion and um, we, we exchange numbers. And 
it became apparent to us probably over that next year of just kind of really reconnecting, re- you know, getting to know each other um, that, wow, maybe we need to reconsider what we thought a soulmate is. Um, and so, and that is because there were just so many ways that we connected on a level that was just beyond that of being a cousin or that of, you know, a friendship. Um, but there just seemed to be a deeper spiritual soul connection. And so for both of us, and, and both of us had just, um, were, were kind of having, uh, you know, I had just gone through a divorce. Um, she didn't know it, but she was on the realm of going through a divorce and, um, and she didn't know it at the time, but we both had experienced rocky marriages and, I think it was very clear to us that what we had experienced in marriage was not necessarily a soulmate connection. Um, And and so what we had um, experienced with each other was like, wow, compatibility, like mind, um, even just kind of this weird psychic thing where if I'm feeling something, she's feeling it, or if I'm um, thinking something, she's thinking it. And so it was just this, this very interesting dynamic. Um, that we've experienced. And I have to say that I have experienced that probably outside of romantic relationships more than I've experienced it within the context of a romantic relationship. And so I am challenging you all to just to, to stretch your minds a bit and to think about and to consider how have I been connected to people at a deeper spiritual soul level and what does that look like? What has that meant to me? Um, and, and later in the show, I'm going to wait until we get our first guest because um, I would really love to get his take on this as well. But later in the show, we're going to talk about, um, I think it's six different types of soulmates. And not all of them are pretty. And that's, the, <laughs> that's one of the things that I found the most fascinating is that not all of them are pretty. Um, and, and in spite of that, even though she and I both experienced rocky relationships, um, the, you know, there, there's one soulmate that really is meant to trigger you and, and, and it's not a pleasant experience. I still wouldn't say that, at least in my case, that it was a soulmate um, kind of situation, but it was more like a, I, I needed to fill the gap that I had in my life. And so I brought somebody in. And so how often do we do that in relationships? Um, that we just need a body to sit in this place so that we can feel whatever needs that we have. In my case, I was looking for a father for my son and and not to minimize by any means the role um, of my marriage and and the role that he played in my marriage. But when you think about what your intent is, when you step into a relationship, is there an actual deep spiritual soul connection or is it a functional sort of situation. And look, it's it's a question to ask yourself to be, you know, realistic with yourself. There's no judgment here. Um, you might want to even want to ask yourself, do I require a deep soul connection with somebody or am I more of um, somebody who just needs that functional purpose where it's it's a sort of a business situation. You're handling this. I'm handling this. As long as we're not getting in each other's way, as long as we're not traumatizing each other, as long as we can live in peace, that's good enough for me. And if that is your truth, that is your truth. There is no judgment here. 
Uh, but what I want you to do is to get to the core of your truth. What is your truth? Do you require a soul connection? Do you have a soul connection? And what, where are you aspiring to be? And so that is what I hope that you will find uh, or that you'll be able to kind of dig into um, a little bit as we have this conversation today. So I hope that you all will get involved. I'm looking for questions. I am looking for comments and opinions. I'm sure everybody has opinions about this. I'm sure there are avid um, people or or disbelievers in the phenomenon of uh, soulmates. And I am sure that there are those who passionately and romantically believe in the notion of soulmates. So I want to hear from all of you. So um, with that said, we are going to go to a break and we have um, trending topics that will be coming up next. And I cannot wait to talk about not only what that trending topic is, but how it impacted the couple, the marital unit that um, was impacted by this particular story. So I've got a lot to say with us. And- All right, so trending. We've had, of course, the smoke-fueled experience uh, all year. Uh, politicians and election and everything that's been happening. And, um, and so I, I'd be remiss, though, if I didn't acknowledge a very interesting um, story that came out last Friday. So last Friday, Joseph Epstein published an article in the Wall Street Journal that really, I, I really don't even know how this got published. It, it should not have been published. Um, but it was an opinion piece slamming Dr. Jill Biden. Um, in, in, in basically, why should she be called doctor is the question that she, and suggesting that she should drop her title. And in the article, he's calling her everything but doctor, Madam First Lady, Mrs. Biden, Jill, and even kiddo. And so, it, it, you know, completely, uh, you know, condescending and insulting, uh, obviously. And, and a lot of people have asked, would he have done this if we were referring to a man? Um, and her husband jumped in. If we can put that back on the screen real quick. Um, her husband jumped in. And this is the part I love as we're talking about relationships and love and, and um, soulmates and so forth. He... You know, he stood for her and said, and, and she stood for herself as well, let me add. But he says, Dr. Biden earned her degrees through hard work and pure grit. She is an inspiration to me, to her students, and to Americans across this country. The story would never have been written about a man. And so powerful. Um, just in, in, in the fact that so there's so many elements to just this exchange alone. We are looking at the first second gentleman of the United States, right? And so he is um, you know, second wheel, if you, if you will, um, in terms of position. And then he is also uh, married to doctor. So it, it's, you know, uh, Mr. and Doctor or Doctor and, and this is uh, Mr. Biden, you know, so it's a whole different dynamic um, that we have not yet seen in the White House or in the leadership of this country. And so um, a completely different dynamic. And what I absolutely adore, um, based on what I can see about this couple, is that it, they support each other 100 um, percent. And and I noted that in this Soon as she was um, chosen um, as Kamala Harris, was, uh, I'm sorry. Um, well, now I'm talking about. Now I'm switching it around here. Um, but as, um, but as soon as Kamala Harris, we're gonna we're gonna talk about her husband real quick. As soon as Kamala Harris was chosen as vice president, 
Um, Doug, her husband stepped down from his teaching position right away and um, was like, ha, I'm building, I'm doing you know, whatever it takes to position, you know, um, to take this position. And in the White House, uh, or I'm sorry, now that they're, they're going to the White House, now that they've been elected, um, Doug has taken a position, uh, a, a position in uh, Washington D.C. I think at Georgetown. Um, I love how you can see um, the way that Kamala's husband has really stood up for uh, Dr. Biden, and um, and and how you know everybody has just kind of come together in her defense, and so it's just a beautiful. Um, collaboration. We see two beautiful couples that have have entered the White House, and so it'll be really interesting to see how those relationship dynamics play out, um, and and just kind of get back a little bit to more of the family values that we really haven't seen a whole lot of in the last four years. It's it's really time to get back to that. We were enamored by uh, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, and now it's. Um, and now we get to see two more couples, um, Joe and Dr. Biden, and then we get to see Kamala um, Harris and Doug Emhoff. And so I'm really excited about that. And so, yes, so when you've got this whole collaboration and this whole, um, I guess, network of, of, of uh, relationship positivity of possible um, soulmate connections, um, you know, you reinforce each other, you build each other up, you stand up for each other. Um, and so I just thought it was a beautiful thing um, that we saw Kamala's husband step in to stand up for uh, Dr. Jill Biden. Um, and, you know, and I have to add just from a an educational, historical, educational standpoint, um, these these degrees, these doctoral degrees, um, you know, and, and people like to make the case, well, medical degree, you know, medical doctor is only real doctor. And that's the only real, you know, person who should call themselves doctor. As you know, I call myself doctor. If we look at the history, the history is that education was one of the first doctoral degrees that existed. And that is because in order to be a teacher, in order to be an educator, in order to be um, you know, somebody who was instructing uh, or leading others, you had to be doctor, not medical doctor, a doctor of education. So think about that a little bit. <laughs> So we were gonna, we're gonna be back, and when we come back, we are going to be looking. We're gonna continue this conversation, and shortly after, we'll be joined by our first guest, um, a Grammy-nominated singer, A. Lex. And so, stay with us. And I cannot wait to have this conversation. We'll be right back. All right. So um, we're going to get into the, the research here. And it's so interesting because as we're talking about the concept of soulmate, um, we have to be careful, you know, because um, like I said in the beginning, we have these these fantasies about what it means to have a soulmate. And sometimes these fantasies can get in the way of the success of the relationship. And so today's research um, comes from Psychology Today. And what it's saying here is that, you know, when we have this idea of soulmates, we, you know, our brain really kind of goes to the idea of having a perfect match, being with that perfect person or that right person, or it just being destiny. And so when we think this way, um, it actually causes us to 
not work as hard or do the things that need to be done to make the relationship work because we think that it will naturally just happen. So a person who becomes convinced that they have found their soulmate is effectively telling themselves it doesn't get better than this. This is it. This is like Mount Everest. I made it. Um, And for this reason, those people, and we're going to talk about those soul connections a little later, um, but for this reason, um, those who believe that they found the one or that they found their soulmate are likely to be at greater risk for marrying prematurely after a relatively short courtship. Oh, my God. Um, And look, there are relationships that work, Um, you know, when people do the fast track to go down the aisle and, and the fast track to getting married. Sure. But <laughs> there is also a risk when we take that fast track, when we think that somebody is perfect and that it's this perfect match and we're in bliss and then we just take the plunge. Um, and so this is the initial phase of the relationship, which is called, um, it, well, it, it, it it has been called the cocaine rush phase of love where it is just like everything is amazing. It's associated with obsessive thought, positively biased cognitive filtering, meaning you filter out all the bad stuff and you just focus on those good things and the bad things will figure themselves out. Right. It's just, you know, we just take our time to focus on all of the glorious things in the relationship. So that's what's called, Um, biased cognitive filtering. How often have you done that? And um, also untested assumptions about each other's character. So you think that they are a person of integrity. You think that they are somebody who um, is trustworthy and, and, um, you know, who has some of the same values of you as you, but they're not tested. So you don't actually know because you haven't taken the time to test those things. So when we fall into a blind belief of destiny and a blind belief of soulmates, we actually are setting the relationship up for doom because we're not doing our due diligence um, to to really make sure we understand who this person is, uh, to make sure that we are giving in the way that we should be, that we're vetting in the way that we should be, that we are, you know, having our expectations met um, in, in the relationship. So, it's, it's important for us to think about that. So ultimately, the feeling that one has met the perfect match really can set couples up for a particularly devastating period of disillusionment once they're married. If, if you wait until you're married to learn all of those things, um, that can be quite devastating. So these are some things to interest, you know, think about. And so the recommendation is so is instead of rushing into marriage, it seems especially wise for couples to consider um, what, and, and this recommendation comes whether you're Christian or not, but to consider the biblical injunction to count the cost before making the leap into marriage. So something to think about. Um, and, and it's a great set of research. Um, it, it's just a warning. Yeah, you know, as we go into this conversation about soulmates, um, we've really got to think about what do we need to put into place? What do we need to consider? How do we date? How do we court each other with eyes wide open um, as opposed to just allowing, thinking that we're allowing destiny uh, to bring everything to fruition? So I am going to go ahead and bring our guest on. Um, We have um, for this first hour, um, Alex, 
who is going to be joining us to engage us in this conversation. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about all of this. Um, Alex is a Grammy-nominated singer, Grammy singer, songwriter, and vocal producer from Decatur, Georgia. He began his career in music in 2008 as a songwriter and recording engineer. While producing, pursuing his career in music, Alex earned a BA in audio production from the Art Institute of Atlanta. He describes his sound as pop soul, gathering information from artists such as Pharrell Williams, Frank Ocean, and Andre 3000. He has written and recorded for artists such as Lil Yachty, um, Austin Mahone, Music Soul Child on his Grammy-nominated album, Feel the Real, and Kiki Palmer on her single, Bossy, which premiered on Star on Fox. So without further ado, let's bring on Alex. How are you? I'm good. Hey, Dr. Pam. How y'all doing? Hey, it's good. Good. I'm good. I'm so glad to have you because I need the male perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's the topic today. <laughs> yes. Did you hear the research study I just talked about? I did. I did hear about it. Um, you know, and I like my perspective on soulmates is just like um, I used to believe in soulmates, but now to me, I like like you said, I feel like it can kind of make it um, unrealistic for you. You know, I, I I grew up, you know, and it was, it was a lot of times where I felt like I would never find love. You know, I was kind of a loner. So um, and I and I think one of those thoughts that were in my head about that is like it gotta be a soulmate, a person they have to be perfect for me. If it's not, you know, if it's not perfect, and um, I feel like I was being overly, overly picky and, and pushing a lot of situations away when it wasn't just right. You know, um, and I started, I started to feel like, man, you know, maybe there, maybe there is a such thing as soulmates, but you know, I got to, I have to adapt the mindset where I can make it work with it because love is love. You know, so I just wanted to really expand my options and um and say like if there is soulmates, then great. But I'm not really waiting on a soulmate, you know. I think, I think love is love. I love it. You know, that's the question I posed at the end of the um last sec segment before the commercial was it, you know, what do you all require? Do y'all require that the love connection you have is like a soul connection, or do you just require that the person brings peace? You know, how would you what what would you require for love for yourself? See, that's that's the first thing for me is they gotta they gotta add to the piece, you know, um, cause I'm I'm working so much that everything I do I need to, I need to be in good spirits. I need to have my energy on point. So you know if I'm if I'm gonna have love in my life, it has to be somebody that just you know um, just adds to that piece. And I love I love women that that have good ideas, you know that <laughs> that help. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, you know. I say I'm not. I say I'm not as picky, but I'm single. <laughs> I've been single for a while, so so I don't know. Maybe I'm more picky than I think I am. <laughs> I understand. You know, I get those questions. Why are you single? Why are you single? You know, and it's like, well, I, I guess I, I require certain things that you know. When I see it, then I'll grab it. <laughs> so we're going to go to a break. When we come back, I want to learn a little bit more about you and what you're doing. Um, and, of course, you're a music, you know, you write songs. So I know you've got some insight about love. I mean, because I always wonder, these songs that songwriters are writing, like Babyface, like, do they live this stuff? Or are they just good writers? So so I want to ask you those questions when we come back. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and today I am joined by Alex. And man, he's got a nice list of uh, artists that he's worked with. Also, um, a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. Um, Alex, tell us about yourself. Um, you know, how did you get into this industry, and and what are your goals? What do you see for yourself? So, um, like y'all said, I'm Alex. I'm born and raised in Decatur, Georgia. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, engineer, studio owner. Um, like right now, I'm sitting in the B room at Layer Studio. I like your studio. Checking out the scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing music about 12 years now, um, and it's it's been a journey because when I first came in, I, I really didn't have the relationships to just dive in and get started and start making money. So um, I, I had to learn the craft. That's what I turned to. I, I figured yeah. out, you know, I just learned the craft and started meeting people and do what I could. So I enrolled in college um, at Art Institute of Atlanta, and you know I went through phases where I was I was going to school, left for five years, came back after being in the field for a while. Um, but I ended up finishing and getting my Bachelor of Arts in Audio Production. And in the, and during all of that, I was I was doing internships at studios. I was working at record stores. I was on um, meeting producers, doing songwriting camps, doing just I was just doing whatever you know what I mean, just doing anything right. I could do um to just grow and, and make the right relationships and try to get a hit you know um because like i said i've been engineering all this time but i picked up songwriting um as a priority probably in 2010 2011 maybe okay. 20, 2012 and all the way until now all the way really until 2018 where i was like i'm only a writer you know what i mean I, i'm only writing engineer and i was just aiming for placements um, but in 2018, really in 2017, I, I realized like, it's great to be a writer. It's great to get placements, which I did have a lot of placements. You mentioned some of the artists I've worked with. Yeah. Um, that's great. But sometimes the music, they might not even put the music out, you know, like you might have a great song and you could play it for people and they might not, they might not see that it's a great song because it's all subjective, you know, so right. they, a great song, they might not record it. And if they do record it. It might take two to three years to put it out or never put it out at all. And I just knew that I know, I still know that I have a voice. You know, I feel like God, God wanted me to use my voice and um and just share. So I knew I had to just express it um through myself and I started putting out my own music and I've been consistent. And right. I've decided like I'm making music to share with the world. I'm not making music to sit on my computer. Um I'm making music to share with the world and that's what I've been doing. I love it. So tell us, what does your music say about you? Like, what is your, the message that you convey to come out, you know, that comes out in your music? Because everybody, you know, we hear love songs and that's cool. We hear different mm -hmm. kinds of music, but what makes you different? What message are you conveying through the, the work that you do? I think with my music, you can tell that I care about other people. You could tell, like, when I'm when I'm creating, one of the things that, that took away my fear from getting back on stage and getting back in the public was, you know, I realized, like, I'm making this art. It's not about how they respond to me. It's about what I can give them. It's about the story that I'm telling. And um, and I think with my music, you could tell that it's authentic. You could tell that I'm telling a true story. And you could tell that I've been really putting in the hours to um to get my quality up to a certain level. Yeah. Um, I love it. I, mm -hmm. 
So, so I'm going to throw that one question at you that I said I was going to ask is, um, you know, when we hear love songs and we hear, you know, things that just kind of make us, you know, that inspire us, music inspires me big time. Um, the, the writer behind that song, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll just ask you, cause you may not know about other people. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you really know about this stuff? Is this, <laughs> is this just good writing or is there some part of you that comes out in it? I think it's both because I think, and I think that's what makes the best writers the best writers because you can see someone else's story and have an understanding yeah. and be like, wow, you know, I can, and sometimes, you know, somebody could be in the story and not be able to express it or explain the emotions that they felt. And someone else could see it and be like, wow, like I saw what you went through and I understand it and I can vocalize it, mm. you know? And um, so I think that's a gift in itself. And, and sometimes it is, things that you go through like me personally i write better when i when i do things like if i'm if i'm dating somebody or if i'm you know i know i'm inspired by love like if i'm if i'm feeling love i can talk about anything you know yeah. um, or if i'm feeling if i'm feeling down like if i'm feeling down or if i'm feeling happy i know when i'm in an emotional space um or something goes on in my life at some point i'm gonna be able to pull it out and talk about it from um from an authentic place but um a lot of the stuff that i talk about it's either I've been through it or I've just seen it and I understand it. And, and I want I want to affect somebody by speaking on it. I think I would be a horrible songwriter because I have I'm inspired by heartbreak. So when mm. I'm heartbroken, I write I can write like crazy. And all my songs mm. are depressing. Mm. <laughs> so so why would that make you a horrible songwriter? You seen the five heartbeats. They said you gotta get your heart broken if you're gonna write your best work. This is true. This is true. I know that people have, have I love Sade. I love, love, love Sade. And I've heard that people are just like, yeah, but she's so depressing. And I'm like, no, her stuff is amazing. So I guess it just depends on where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, because it's a big world. Yeah. You know, and some people are depressed and, and some people need to hear that something that helped them help pull them out of that situation. Right. Um, I know for me, you know, sometimes I do I do like to to have both because it's certain artists I think make music like that, like the weekend sometimes has a dark sound. I like yeah. the weekend, but I think he has I a dark it. sometimes. Um, I think my artists like Juice World and a lot of these younger guys that will um I feel like they kind of romanticize depression a little bit. Like, um, especially like yeah. I, 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 they're not really SoundCloud rappers, but I don't know how to, I'm trying to figure out how to categorize categorize these, you know, this group of people. Um, yeah, but, that's a good point. That's a good point. So I had something I wanted to ask you about, um, and we had it on the screen earlier with the different types of soulmates. And I would love to get your your take on this because, mm. I, you know, I, you know, we think a soulmate, we think there's one kind of soulmate, that person that is perfect for you and you all get along and it's beautiful. But there's mm. um, also there's different kinds. And so I don't wait. Can we can we put that back up there? So we've got the twin flame. Um, which is someone who shares the same soul as you and catalyzes your spiritual waking. That's the one I think we often hear about. Um, I'm going to save karmic for last. Soulmate, someone who can be platonically or romantically connected to your soul throughout a lifetime as a companion, someone you have a unique bond with, you help each other grow, prosper. We hear about that as well. Then we have um, ancestor, just like it sounds, a familial a spirit who has either crossed the veil or um, is, is struck within it stuck within it, and then a soulless portal, a a physical vessel void of divinity. Um, 
Mm. Let's see. Okay, it keeps disappearing. Mm. <laughs> like I can use my notes. Um, <laughs> that is devoid of divinities, uh, whose sole purpose mm. is to deter your spiritual growth and sometimes cause harm. Ooh. Right. And then karmic and ill-fated soul connection that is meant to mirror your darkest energies and redirect your soul trajectory mm. toward your highest good. But mm. Not before destroying a part of you. <laughs> mm. We never think about those connections. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know that it was that many types. Right? So that is, uh, you know, so I'm just curious, like, can you, do you think that you've experienced any of those other ones or any of them, really? Mm. Honestly, <laughs> I may have. I mean, like I said, if, if we last. <laughs> <laughs> I say this, you know, I, it were there were times in my life where, like, I, I came across people that have impacted me in major ways. That you know, we only had brief interactions where I feel like, man, you know, you might have been an angel in my life. Mm. Um, you know, so I, I, I guess there could be some some sort of um some form of soulmate. Um, but I, I don't know, like, because a lot of times, a lot of relationships that I've had, you will feel like in the beginning, this is a soul connection. It's so much love, and then once you once you get over, um. You know the you know all the romantics and the honeymoon yeah. phase. You kind of be like, why you why you walk like that? What was that? <laughs> why, you, why you fold those sheets like that? You know, right, so right. you know, I think <laughs> you those sheets like that. <laughs> yeah, I think we can make our own mind up about what something is. You know, I love it. Well, we're gonna go to a break, and then when we come back. I want to make sure everybody can get um, figure out how to get in touch with you. So, so we'll talk about that uh, when we come back. Yeah. All right. All right, welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I am joined by Alex. All right, so um, anyway, uh, if you can give us a little bit about how to reach you. Um, I'm sorry, you said it one more time. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, could you ask me that one more time? Yeah, no, I was asking how, how can people get in touch with you or get involved with what you're doing? So you can find me on all social media platforms at Lex on the board. Um, mostly on Instagram. I just like um how I can share my videos and my photos um and talk directly to the people. Um, I do have a Twitter. I'm on YouTube. I have multiple videos on YouTube, and um and I'm on all streaming platforms. So if you want to just listen to the music, um, I go by a dash lex. My latest project is called From a Seed, and um and you can find me on, on every platform. Highlight your boy. I love it. I love it. I have to say, I love your locks. I'm a little biased towards the. Thank you. Yes, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, I am just. Um, we we I've been listening to some of your music and just some of the you know, the work that you do, and it is uh, pretty phenomenal. Um, so how is it in in just being an artist and um, trying to date and I mean, I don't even know if you're trying to date, but if you are, um, and balancing that that life with the personal mm. life. So I am dating. So I mentioned um, that I'm single. So I I do go on dates, and people do that still. Huh? Do people still do that in the Corona era? I do. I, I go on <laughs> dates still. I think I think in a lot of ways I'm still kind of old fashioned. Okay. Um, so. You know, I, I think that it is tough to balance it because, you know, when people use the phrase um, married to the game. <clears throat> I really feel like yeah. unconsciously 
I've been married to the game since I started doing music. And I say that because, you know, anything that you invest in, that you put your attention, I'm not talking about only money, I'm talking about your attention. You know, they're talking about like, you know, you, you pay attention. Anything right. that, you, that you give your attention to, um, you know, it will blossom, it will grow, you know, whether that's your career or that's your, your family life or your, your love relationships. Um, and I've been in a place where I've been putting almost all my attention toward the music. So there have been times where, you know, it's affected not only my love life, but my family life as well. So um, now yeah. I'm, in a place where I'm just having more fun with the music. I realize that I'm just as important as, you know, getting rich off music. And um, <clears throat> so, I, so I go on dates. What I will say <clears throat> it's tough because um, I live a different lifestyle. Right. You know, my schedule, my schedule is unique. Um and you know, but but I really feel like I really feel like it's just about me and um just just being more open to it. You know, I I I'll be real quick to to lose interest, and I feel like it's more it has more to do with me and how I see relationships than it does about my career. Because yeah, uh, you yeah. know, because I'm ready, saying. I'm really I'm really ready. I'm, I'm ready to start having kids and stuff like that. I ain't gonna lie right. to you. <laughs> I feel you. I'm guilty. I, I I lose interest easily as well. Um, and I think it's um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. That, that's that's yeah. You got me thinking about some things. And I love how you say it's more about you than it is about the other person because it's really kind of being introspective and thinking about you know what is it about what what do. I want what is it that I am looking for in a situation so um, so I want to just uh, bring on the song uh, with you music soul child and uh, just uh, let everybody hear a little piece of that um, but before uh, any parting words because we're gonna end with that music um, any words of wisdom that you might have for those those people out there who are in love and, and want love <laughs> I would say that it all starts with loving yourself. Yes. You know, um, like I mentioned, sometimes I, I might I might step away from people, I might back away from people, but I notice my relationships suffer when I'm feeling the way about who I am. And mm -hmm. uh, I notice that's that's just a key factor. So yeah. I say like focus on you, get to know who you are, be honest with yourself about where you are and what you want and um what you don't want. And and I say be decisive, you know, make decisions um throughout your life. I feel like as a leader as a leader, you got to be decisive um, because when you waste time, like, well, I could do this, but I could do this. I know I should do this, but I want to. The world, the world keeps moving. But when you decide, you say, look, I know, I know if I make this decision, I'm sacrificing this, but you got to know everything come with a sacrifice. Everything good come with sacrifice. So, so just decide, decide what you want, decide who you are, you know what I mean? Where you going and have love for yourself and patience for yourself. And everything that you want in life is going to come to you. That's beautiful. Woo, those are words of wisdom. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. I look forward to having you again. Um, this, is, this has been a great conversation. And um, everybody, we're going to go ahead and give you a little bit of uh, the song he did with uh, the Soul Child. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thank you. Welcome to the second hour of the live exchange. Uh, I'm Dr. Pamela, and today we are talking about the soulmate phenomenon, looking at relationships and love and connection and 
are there full spiritual connect connections or um you know do we just make things work do we just do the work to make things happen um and so that's what we're going to be continuing to talk about um for the second half of the show um i am today in the second hour hour i'm joined by Tiffany and uh, Terrell Munger. And just let me tell you a little bit about this couple. So Tiffany and Terrell experienced firsthand how two people can find love, build a wonderful life, and almost lose it all to the cares of the world. They were thriving in love, business, and ministry, and somehow lost focus on the most important element, home. While being uh, one court date away from divorce, God did a work in their hearts. They feel like they owe it to God to show others that there is nothing you can go through that God cannot repair if you let him. That experience gave them a passion for life and love that they never dreamed possible. It inspired them so much that they want to share all the tools that they discovered to help others uh, discover their best self and live their best life. Understanding, learning, and growing with each other daily can lead to greater health, greater wealth, and a greater version of self. And they want to share their journey with the world. So welcome, Tiffany and Terrell. Hi. <laughs> Can we hear you all? Thank you. I had it on mute. Sorry. That's okay. We're used to that in this day and age. You know, that's a t-shirt now. You're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm great. I'm great. I love we've got our Christmas decor going on here. <laughs> How are the two of you doing? We are wonderful. We're excited. We were sitting up talking about this and we're excited about whatever's about to happen. Right. Right. <laughs> well, it sounds like you all have a phenomenal story that I think a lot of people are going to need to hear um, because I, uh, of course, you know, with the divorce rate being what, 65%, I don't know if it's that high yet. I know it's in the 60s now. I remember when it was in the 50s um, and it's just going up and up. So I know that there are a lot of couples that have been one court date away from divorce or maybe one court court date away from divorce right now as we speak, um, uh, or one announcement away from divorce or whatever it is, I have been there myself. And um, I often wonder, was there anything that could have been done, you know, to save that relationship? Or was it just one that wasn't meant to be? That's always the big question. How do you know when to keep pushing? And how do you, when you, how do you know when it's like, you know what? I was never supposed to be in this in the first place. Um, so I'm going to start with that question. I didn't intend to, but I'm, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about that. Well, I'll say with us, of course, I want to preface it by saying there's no right or wrong answer. But I'll say with us, nothing we were doing was harmful to each other. There, there was no verbal abuse, no physical abuse, no sneaking and cheating. It, it was none of that. Okay. With our situation, we really just had conflicting priorities unintentionally. Hmm. Um, I knew she loved me. I knew I loved her. Uh, but along the way, what I did, I let some of my passion and some of my dreams put a wedge between us. And I'm sure she'll explain herself. She had some expectations on me that I didn't necessarily agree with at the time. So, um, and, and it wasn't easy for us. We were separated for two years. Wow. And we were, we were one court date away from divorce before this miraculous thing happened that we'll talk about. But in our view, there was not a theme that it was like, 
okay, I can get past this or get past that. It just, I was so focused on my dream and she was focused on her expectations that it somehow put a wedge in between our relationship. Hmm. That's interesting. So what does that actually look like? I mean, what, what does it look like to be focused on your dreams and have that be in conflict with somebody's expectations? Um, is that like not coming home because you're working so hard? I mean, what does that look like? Um, it, two things. I, I'll go first, then I'll let her give the view on expectation. Me, I am, my identity was a struggling youth. My mother was in an institution. My dad was in jail. Me and my sister had to live from house to house to house. And so my mindset was on, I'm never going to be broke again. I don't care what happens. I won't be broke again. So everything for me was about accomplishing, making sure I had more than enough, making sure I could meet my needs, making sure I pursued my largest dreams, whatever that looked like. And because I had so much taken away from me as a child, if anybody stood in the way of that, unintentionally, you became the enemy. What do you mean I can't do my next play? What do you mean yeah. you need more time? I can't finish my next book. What do you mean I'm, I'm working too many hours? Even though, and, and I'm sure my wife will attest to it, I was at home a lot, always with the kids. But in the small things, I was at home but was not in tune. I was on my yeah. laptop. I was, you know, on the phone. I was present physically, but mentally, I was on my next goal, my next book, my next assignment. <laughs> you know, and so, so what good thing and when, when I wrote my book what I said was it was like that uh, show Baywatch but instead of B-A-Y it was B-A-E <laughs> I was so busy showing off my strokes and how well I could swim that I didn't mm-hmm. look up and see that my partner was drowning so, so what did that look like for you Tiffany what did that feel like for you what was your experience in that time frame um I love that about him, that that go-getter wants to accomplish because he's very responsible. We just pretty much had two different visions for running a family. Yeah. I was, I wanted that good old, oh, I've found, I finally been found. I'm a wife now. Now I'm ready to have a baby. You know, right. then come married, then come the baby in the carriage, you know. Right. So that was the life that I was wanting. Um, and when I met him, you know, he did tell me that he was a very busy man, but he put a lot of things on pause to focus on uh, our relationship. So once our relationship, once we got married and he got back to his regular scheduled program, <laughs> I tell him, I'm like, who the left to get You know what I mean? So that's where the clash was. Then we ended up becoming going into ministry, you know, and the trials and errors of that. So you, you're, you're you're driven now. You now you're now you're leading a ministry, and on top of that, we're two unlearned individuals. You yeah. know, in all this, you know, whether you know he had his dysfunctions that he experienced when he was young. I had some dysfunctional experience in some areas that I was unlearned, and now we're trying to be holy, matrimony, and happy. So <laughs> all of that stuff ended up coming to the surface, and um, right. that led us to that place of that one divorce. Away. <laughs> that's 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 so interesting. I'm curious to know. So you know, nobody who goes into marriage really knows what they are getting themselves into, right? Um, and and I love this quote here. Or this comment from Jamie. It says, "Yes, our background is the biggest influence on our relationships." I mean, really. I mean, there's so much 
that we're bringing in that we may not even be aware of. Um, curious to know what what ways can people truly be prepared or can we? Is it truly something we learn as we go or are there ways that we can be prepared um, for what might come out once we get married? We go to marital counseling, but can that really cover what we need to know? Yeah, well, I, I'll start this one out. Personally, and this is a discussion that we had because it was my language, but she hadn't dug into that yet. But you first have to have some sense of purpose and direction for your own life. Because if you don't know what you're doing or where you're going, you don't know who to pick to go with you. you yeah. You, you just don't know. And, and, and it's impossible for a woman to follow a parked car. If, if you're not going anywhere, where are you leading me? So I, I, I believe I had that part right, but what I didn't have right was an orientation on the ride. I should have been the guy said, okay, guys, buckle up your seatbelt. We are improving the altitude. I didn't give the flight instruction. I, I didn't give the, uh, in case of emergency, put your mask on first. I didn't get, I just, Got on the plane and said, you all, let's go. Let's go. I'm going to stop you there because we have to go to break. But it, but it's interesting because it's, it's how do you know how to fly a plane if you've never flown it before? And so, and, and I, it just seems that with marriage, you learn these things as you go and you, you have to be willing to learn those things. But I'm going to, we're going to go to break and we come back. I'm, I'm going to hear Tiffany's take on this. Um, so everybody stay with us and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. I am Dr. Pamela. And uh, today I am joined by Tiffany and Terrell to talk about really um, relationships and uh, the soulmate phenomenon. We're going to get into the soulmate part uh, in a bit. But before the break, I was asking um, about preparation for marriage. And, and, and for me, I just wonder if the way that marriage is set up in our society if we are truly able to actually be prepared for it, or is it something that we literally have to create and build as we go? I, I, what are your thoughts on that, Tiffany? I would like to say that, um, because let's just say if you were raised in a two-parent household and you had great parents, you're not marrying your daddy right. and he's not marrying his mother. So you will have to create your own vision for your marriage that you both two are able to agree upon. Um, when he was saying, Dr. Kim, about, you know, finding your own purpose, and he spoke about me and my expectations. When we do our marriage coaching, I ask this question every single time. And if anybody watching who's coached with us, they're going to say she's right. I ask, uh, this is a question that my husband asked me before we uh, officially separated. He asked me, um, what is your habit? I could ask that question and the whole room would raise mm. their hand. But the, I ask you to articulate what, what your happy is. And when I say, what is your happy, this is how he brought it to me. If you never got married, if you never had kids, because for a lot of women, that is, a, that is your right. happy. I'm finally married. I have a family. Okay, what if you never get there? Right. Now, 
what is your happy? And when he asked me that, Dr. Pamela, I did not have a clue. Wow. And so at that moment, you find yourself, at that moment, I realized I was trying to get him to fulfill something that I couldn't even answer for my own life. Hmm. I wasn't even fulfilling my own life, but wanted him to fulfill everything. And, and, and what does that look like? You know, you, you don't get enough quality time. He can't do enough. You can't go enough places. And you're thinking, like, you know, what is wrong? Why am I never satisfied? Because you haven't fulfilled your own happiness. So you're constantly thinking it's something outside of you that should be doing it. And you yeah. can very well be a good man, but because you're empty, you right. Empty, you <laughs> you're happy because you're gonna drive a good man crazy. And yeah. as much as I love him, I did not know that is what I was doing. So uh yeah. so he needed to be you were expecting him to be your happy and and, and didn't yeah. even know it. Didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. Because in your mind, you would justify all I want to do is spend time with you. All right. I want to do is just go on a vacation. Look, you, I, you just did this. That costs money. <laughs> just up and do all these things that you got in your head. And so I wasn't considering the weight that yeah. I was on him. You know what I mean? And yeah. then I think, oh, my, my marriage is in a bad place. No, it ain't, girl. Go find yourself. Yeah. So that's so interesting because when I, before I got married and I was 27 when I got married and, and of course that, that was not anything I was at all aware of to find your own happy, to find your own, you know, any of that. And I found it after my divorce. I've been, so now I understand what it means to find your happy um, and, and, you know, and to be self-fulfilled so much so that I'm a little worried about when I do get married again, <laughs> that, you know, and can you have too much happy in mm. your singleness? What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> well, uh, one thing that we talk about, it is possible, especially when you've been by yourself a while, to be addicted to being single. It, yeah. it, it is possible. Um, it, it used to be, you know, you, you go from your mom's house or maybe you go to college and you got a roommate, then maybe you get married and you're used to people being in your space. But right. when you're in your space by yourself a lot, your cup on the counter doesn't bother you. But if somebody <laughs> else's cup on the counter, you're frustrated and don't know why. Yeah. Your clothes on the full floor don't bother you, but somebody else's clothes bother you. So, um, uh, one thing that's needed if you're going to enter any type of relationship, business, friendship, and especially marriage, is you have to have the level of grace for others that you want for yourself. Yeah. If you cannot attain that, it's going to be hard to have a healthy existence with someone else. That's a great point of um, preparation for somebody who has, you know, experienced singlehood for a long time. And for me, I mean, I've I've been divorced 11 years, never in my wildest dreams that I think it was going to be 11 years. I was sure of oh, three to five years, I'll be married again. And here I am 11 years later. And that will be a major point of preparation um, for me uh, and probably even starting now, you know, without any prospects that, you know, how do I learn how to give grace to other people, because at some point I expect that I'll be partnering, marrying somebody <laughs> at some point in life. So that's such an amazing point. That's such a great point. Um, I want to just get into this question about soulmates now. And the, the interesting thing about soulmates is that 
people, you know, they, they fantasize about it and they think, you know, if somebody is my soulmate, then it is just like destined to work. This is what God has put in my life. And we have this whole connection. Um, and what I talked about in the first hour is, is how dangerous that can be, because we think that we don't, we probably don't have to do as much work. We don't have to do as much vetting. You know, the person is, is, is the one for me. Um, what are your thoughts about this idea of soulmates? Do you believe in soulmates? And if so, you know, what, what are your thoughts about what that looks like? Uh, I feel when I, first of all, I feel that individuals define that word differently. It's based on the individual. Um, if you ask me, Tiffany, today, I feel, I'm not think of soulmate. I go back to purpose. Because if, it, if it's a soul, my mind, will, and emotion, what will feed, it has to support my purpose. So it can't be, oh, girl, he had the best looking eyebrows that I ever saw. <laughs> oh, my God, girl, when he, when he drink his uh, tea. No, 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 no. How <laughs> is he helping me? And see, that's the thing with my husband. My husband is the opposite of what I was used to dating. And so the timing of when I met him was so perfect because I was like, you know what? Let me get up out of my own way because whatever I thought was for me was mm. not for me. And, you know, so I had to realize when I talked to him, he asked me some questions, Dr. Pamela. A man never asked me. It was kind of like, okay, this too deep. But <laughs> I also realized, you know what? I need that. That's what I need. You know, no, it don't make me break the wrong. No, he put some stuff on my mind to trigger the woman that I have grown to become because mm. of that, those strengths of his. So I, what he has, I need. It helps me. You know, God is my source. Don't get me wrong. But right. this of a husband, he has aided and guided me and pushed me and assisted in my development way more than this little cool Ray Ray ever could. And so <laughs> that's why if you say he's your soulmate, yes, because he fuels everything that will that, that benefits uh, a healthy soul, as I would say. Yeah, I, I love the way that you put that, the healthy soul, that it's uh, something that feels your purpose. I absolutely love that, um, the, that way of, of explaining it. Um, so it, it sounds like well, the car might not have been that parked if you're asking her these questions that are, that are triggering thought and depth in, in terms of, of how she evolves and sees herself in life. Yeah, and I, 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 my car was not necessarily in par, but it just wasn't passenger ready. God. You, know, you understand? Um, <laughs> because imagine you have this expensive car. You know exactly where the radio is. You know everything about the car. You know it so well that you think when somebody else get in it, they should know it too. What's right. You never been in a car like this? Where you from? <laughs> and so even though I didn't say that, yeah. I was so busy trying to prepare her to walk with me that I wasn't just appreciating who she already was. You yeah. know, I'm going, you know, in, in this type of crowd, people are like this, so you have to be prepared to do this. And I'm making her more insecure than I am, you know, appreciating who she is. She shouldn't have to adjust for every room. Maybe I should speak up for her and make other people adjust to her as well. So I I, I needed to make my my ride more passenger ready. And, I love and that, it. And that was one of the things was um, you know, we were in ministry and I have a way of showing support, that hard, sincere support, but the outside, you know, is loud. 
you know, do this. That's great. Write a book. Do another play. I don't care if it take away time from your family. If she'll be all right, you'll get there. Keep on dreaming. And I'm over here like, baby, can you just watch one show with me? You know, but that, but the outside noise indirectly was fueling him, but yet it was assisting with dividing our home. Yeah. So you have to manage what you allow and entertain because it, it, can, it can create more confusion than what really is there. And so now, you know, we put people and things in their rightful place now. Right, right. Do I have to, you know, if I, if I give up, somebody else might say, ooh, you looking good. And I might just say, hey, that's a really nice suit you got on. <laughs> I look confident and watered down compared to the, the woman at the church, Dr. Right. Pella, you know, and it's like, she don't know how to dress me in the morning. I do. You know, I, I, I had to realize, you know, and I and also did, uh, when you haven't been taught things, I wasn't taught, we didn't, we didn't grow up knowing love languages. Yeah. You know, so oh more information. There are so many more resources that we can tap into to better yeah. uh, learn the make that we have because we didn't yeah. see those things modeled growing up. You know, I was just ready to always say thank you. You know, and he got to the point saying, Tim, you always say thank you. What you thanking me for? Tell me what. Now I'm like, okay, now I got to be more strategic and specific. You know, yeah. so I had to learn the type of man that I have. That's beautiful. I love it. Um, and you know, and it, it reminds me of a new, and, and I'm going to, I want to talk about this when we come back, but it, there's a, it's not, it might not be new, but there's a Facebook page called black couple revolution. And it's all about these beautiful black couples. And um, I'm, I'm, you know, they're beautiful, uh, but, but I want to know more. Are you more than beautiful? What's behind all of that beauty? And so we tend to get mesmerized by the beauty of couples and, and not really dig in behind it. Uh, we're also going to do some research when we come back. So I would love to hear your take on some of this research that I'm going to share about relationships. So everybody stay with us. We'll be right back on the live exchange. All right, so uh, today's research, we are looking at um, a uh, commentary by Shakti Delane, and the thing that they're talking about is self in relation to others. So we learn about ourselves in our relationships with others. We're isolated all the time. Um, we don't have an opportunity to see the pros and cons of our interactions and, and how we respond to people and stimuli and life and all of that. So it's really important that uh, that we allow our relationships um, you know, to give us some kind of insight or reflection on who we are. And so it's really interesting. Um, it, according to um, Shakti, um, one of the biggest differences between um, the, there's three paths in relationship, uh, the path of the material world, the path of transcendence, and the path of transformation. And the biggest difference between all of those is how we view our relationships, how we see ourselves in our relationships. So the material path, on that path, we see a relationship as an end in themselves. Um, and so we just, you know, it's just a friendship. It's just a work, you know, environment. It's just something to give me financial security. It's just a way so I can have kids, you know, but it's it's a functional connection. So that's the material path. Then we have the path of transcendence where relationships are viewed as impediments 
that keep us from evolving beyond um, the, you know, who we are. They, they, they get in the way. Relationships are distractions, right? So that's that's another way to view your relationship. And then on the third one, transformation, we embrace both our humanness and our spirituality. And, and instead of attempting to escape or ignore those things, we honor our human needs for relationship and we grow from that. So we've got the material path, the path of transcendence, and the path of transformation. And obviously, the path of transformation, at least for me, is the one that I think is most uh, desirable because it's the one that enables us to grow. It, it enables us to look at ourselves in relation to others and figure out what we need to do to to grow and improve. Now, it doesn't mean that that these material relationships, where it's just a means to an end, don't happen, or that these relationships of transcendence, where it's just kind of this is in my way, this is a waste of time, this is just something that is is holding me back. Those certainly do exist, and it's really important for us to think about which one of those am I in? Um, what is the end goal here? What am I trying to accomplish? So that's the research, and um, we're going to go to a, a short break. Um, but after we come back, I definitely want to hear all right, welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I'm joined by Tiffany Longer, and we're talking about relationships and um, love and all of that great stuff. Um, so right before the break, I gave a little bit of research um, by uh, Shakti Gawain. She has a book, um, and it's called Relationships as Mirrors, and the idea was that the relationships, um, they teach us a lot about ourselves. Uh, but what were your thoughts about those those different relationship I guess, mindsets that, that uh, I shared. Yeah. I mean, I, I can definitely buy into those views because you're right. Some people, marriage is a business arrangement and, and, and some people, they do get frustrated because they think the relationship or the marriage is getting in the way of who they really want to be and what they really want. And that's a lot of people feel stuck and they end up in a situation where you can't live with them and you can't live without them. I don't want to be without you, but being with you is keeping me away from what I really want to be. Wait, Terrell, so, that, does that all explain where you were when you were working really hard? Did you have any of that mindset going on? No, I think mine was more keep up. Add <laughs> <laughs> that to the book. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I, but, but I'll say... Um, if it had to fall in one of those categories, I'll say it was probably more a business arrangement. Not that it was a transaction, but she was a part of my business plan, but I didn't have an emotional plan that she needed to be a part of. She, she look, the business plan, I like being with her. You know, when I, if I didn't have anything to do, I want to be with her. She looked good on my arm, you know. Oh, she, she fit all of the business <laughs> rules, you know. What I, you think, like, Tiffany, she's shaking her head. What, what's what? Are you agree? Yeah, because he's telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. Got it. I'm, not, I'm not even saying it was right or that I was trying to do it, but it yeah. was. Come on, keep up. We got stuff to do. You can cry later, but, but you know, <laughs> food, you know, we gotta go, you know. And yeah. so I believe that transformational part uh, was that 
our revelation was we had to blow up our individual worlds and create one meant for us. It's yeah. just like two people moving into a house. Both of us got two couches. Both of us got two beds. Both of us got two TVs. <laughs> but we got to figure out what fits this situation. We got a big house. So, Terrell, put my 50-inch TV up and put your 13-inch somewhere else. You know? So, um, so uh, and that's why we call our ministry TNT World because we have to blow up our individual issues and yeah. parental issues and neighborhood issues and previous relationship issues and say, okay, that's knowledge, but what mm-hmm. of that do we need to create what we're trying to create? And I, and I, and yeah. I to understand the, the importance of the accountability. If you are an individual that struggles with being stubborn or prideful, unapologetic, uh, uh, deflector. It's going yeah. to be hard. It's no way you can be selfish, selfish and, and have a healthy marriage that you enjoy. You know, because the goal is really to be friends. You know, when yeah. you lose a friendship, and that's what happened, we got so busy and focused on drive, I didn't have my homie. Like, mm-hmm. I sometimes don't want to talk about anything. I just don't want to have to think so hard. I just want a, a place just to be myself and without a judgment. I, if I can be corny, if I want to be silly, I got you in this place. Because you know, when you, work, when you go to work or you be around other environments, I got to turn it on. I don't want to yeah. do I just want to yeah. slap. I, I don't want to have my good table manners all the time. You know what I mean? So I'm so just glad that, you said that because that's t- that tends to be what we hear from men. And so, we, you know, we like to genderize things a lot and we think that men want to be left alone. Sometimes men don't want to talk. But no, I'm so glad you're saying that because we have those needs too <laughs> as women. Absolutely. And I was always on. I was on 24 hours a day. If you call me at 4 o'clock in the morning, I got the business plan. I got the motivation to speak, whatever it is. Yeah. And so she, she made me more human. Now I I can relax. I would so like I, I'm looking at the time here, and, and we've got about eight minutes. And at the beginning of you both being on here, you said that there was this miraculous thing that happened that changed the tide of your marriage, that took you from being one court date away from divorce. I've got to know what that is. Okay. We we had parted, and it was over. It's, for all intents and purposes, we it was over. And uh, probably about a month after she moved out, we found out she was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. But but still, I, I'm not gonna let a baby keep us together. I'm gonna be a good father, where I always have, and fulfill responsibility. I was picking my child up every morning for school, drop off every evening, having them with me on the week every weekend. So I was fulfilling my daddy duties. But as far as me, the marriage was over. Uh huh. So we we got attorneys, and the attorneys got involved, and they almost made us hate each other uh, because they make more money, and the more we dislike each other, some of them. True, true. I was on a business trip. This was not ministry. This is with my job. I was speaking, introducing some new technology uh, to an organization, and I was killing it. I knew I was killing it. <laughs> and after it was over, the IT manager comes up and says, man, this is awesome. A lot of these people, it's hard to talk to them one-on-one, and, and you have them captivated. And at that moment, I felt like God said, you can communicate with all these people, but you can't even be your wife friend. 
Wow. And I was convicted. And I went back to my hotel room. I looked at the phone for about an hour. Wow. <laughs> and then I finally called her and I was like, well, you know, Tim, we got these kids. Uh, I know we're about to go through a divorce, but can I at least learn how to be your friend? That, that's oh. all I know. So, you know, and she said, I'm glad you said that because there's some things I wish I would have done differently too. So, but we were still going through with the divorce. We were just learning how to be friends. Wow. And we went out to eat with the kids because we want them to see us together. And we were sitting there eating and I just looked at them and I said, you're beautiful. And, wow. and she said, do you know you've never said that? I was going to say, has she heard you say that, you know, prior to then, but thank he you. hadn't. And so and at that moment, I realized I've been so busy trying to get her to be what she needed to be for us to fulfill our destiny that I didn't take time to appreciate who she was. And that was a revelation to me. And that was the beginning of the turnaround for me. And so mine was, so while we were separated, I know we got to wrap it up. I was saying with my mom. And the saying is, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I saw some things that my, and I, and I always have to say this when I speak, I love my mom. But she did some things that drove me crazy. And, and, and if God showed me in those moments, you know that's what you do to your bitch, your husband, right? Oh. So you see how they bothered you? You, you were doing that same thing. And so it's sometimes wow. hard to see ourselves. And yeah. so now I'm more mindful of my, my ways, my, 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 my mood, my spirit, or, you know, my words, because I don't, you, you may not mean any harm, but you could be, again, killing your mate and don't even know it. But I was so glad that, you know, uh, I wanted to be better. I wanted to heal. Even if he and I wasn't going to be together anymore, I'm like, God, I got to heal because I'm going to be married again. And I don't yeah. want to take the version of myself to another relationship. I went and got some therapy. Uh, I learned a lot about myself, even in that. So I'm very big on get you some individual therapy, even if you don't go. Yeah. With uh, so with that work, I was willing to do the work for me. And while I was doing my work, or work was going on in him. So when we got back together, he was like, I love it. I love it. You know what? It, it reinforces that idea that we learn about ourselves in context to others. So, so the two of you had your experiences together. When you separated it out, it was the interactions with other people that, that just made you realize what that meant, your interactions together meant, and, and, and the things that you do with each other, how it plays out differently in other settings, you know, you said that your your relationship with your mother kind of revealed some of the things that you were doing with him. His relationship with his colleagues revealed some of the things he wasn't doing with you. Um, very interesting. Very interesting. This is why we need to not keep ourselves isolated. We need to venture out. We need to listen to God. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I know that you all have a book. Is um, Was this co-authored uh, Relationship Coaching? Well, that- it was, I, I, I wrote it. Um, okay. I read everything by her, though. And it's called, as you see, Born Not to Know. Yes. And the whole concept is we mess up when we think we know. We, huh. we think we know our partner, but you're always learning them. They, they could have liked something last year that they don't like this year. And if you yeah. ever think you know and you stop learning, you're putting yourself in trouble. And so I documented my secret thoughts and put them with principles. That's why I said 
uh, my personal memoirs of how I almost lost my marriage to ministry because I had to keep learning myself, keep learning her, and keep learning what needed to be done in that moment. That's why the book is called Born Not to Know. Can we when you don't know, you need faith. Okay, let's let's look at it again. Let's uh, put that back on the screen. And this is available. How can people get that? You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Borders. You can go to our website, tntworld.org. Wherever books are sold, that book will be available. I love it. I love it. Ah, that's so important. Look, that is so, and the title is just so perfect because if we can accept that we were born not to know something, it is going to allow us to be much more open to learning and to doing exactly what you did, you know, reflecting on your life, going back, writing on that, whatever you have to do to get to where you need to go. So I, I and with what you're saying, if you have that attitude, I can also expand grace. Because yeah. you're figuring it out as well as myself. So we're going to give each other yes. the grace to grow. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's so powerful. And you know what? And I think that answers one of the first questions I asked you to is um, when can you get counseled on everything you need to know to be married? I think if you go into it knowing that you don't know everything, then you're going to turn it into a learning experience and a creating experience as you go. So I know we have to wrap up. Obviously, I'm warmed up, but we're gonna have to have you back. <laughs> um, how can people reach you um, as, if they want to follow what you're doing? What's the best way to do that? Well, it, the, the website is tntworld.org. The uh, Facebook page and Instagram is tntworld Memphis, and of course, her page is. Tiffany Munger, my page is Terrell Munger. We're out. Google us. <laughs> Google them. <laughs> Thank you so much. This, this has been, yeah, this has been excellent. I appreciate you both for coming. And everybody, thank you once again for tuning in to the live exchange where we have compelling dialogue around human humanity, intellect, and change. We're here every Thursday from 11 to 1, except for the next few Thursdays because that will be Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. So we'll see you again in January. January on that first Thursday. Um, so we look forward to having uh, more great conversation. Uh, enjoy your holidays. And um, I love you. I love you all. <laughs> Thank you for